0: How many of you are thankful for what Jesus has done for you this morning? Amen. It's awesome to take communion together and to be able to remember what Jesus has done for us. The way he gave his life so we could have life. And the way he gave his body to take our sin. The way he shed his blood for our forgiveness. It's awesome to see. It's an awesome thing to be a part of um, when you come together as the church, as the body of Christ, to share in that. And so uh, today, I'm excited about us all being together. I'm excited about the message um, that God's put in my heart for us today. And we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin in Matthew 7, verse 28. And we're going to continue this series, uh, Bigger Than Me. And, And what this series is about, it's about the church. It's about the church that we belong to, what the church that we belong to should be. And the fact that the church is bigger than us. It's something that we belong to that's so much bigger than us. So it couldn't be about us, it's about Jesus. And and so we've been looking at that. Today we're going to continue that, Matthew 7, 28, and then we're going to go into chapter 8 and go through the first four verses. And we'll pick up the message from there. So let's read this scripture, and we'll pray, and then we'll get into the message. It says in Matthew 7, 28, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So where we're at in the scripture, Jesus has just preached the Sermon on the Mount. And he's coming down the mountain. um, And these people are amazed at his teaching as he's just delivered the most famous sermon in the history of the world. And so in chapter 8, it goes on in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Let's pray and we'll get into it. God, thank you so much for your word and the truth that it is, God. I pray that today that truth would sink deeply into our hearts and it would change our lives, that it would change our hearts, God, that we would become more like you. God, that we would be the church you called us to be and do the things that you called us to do, Lord. God, continue to work in us, that you can work through us. And, God, I pray that during this time that, God, this word, the message, God, that I preach, that it would be your words, not mine. And that, God, it would come with the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and to heal and to redeem people. Back to yourself, God. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm being honest with you here in the beginning. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be honest later in the message. But to start out with, um, I just want to tell you, like preaching for me, doing this is is a is a challenge week in and week out. Um, I'm not a naturally extroverted person. I'm not somebody that just likes to get in front of people and talk. And as a matter of fact, it kind of scares me um, a lot. And I've been doing this now for about 12 years. But um, even after 12 years, I still get butterflies. I still get really nervous. Um, and, and it's not something that just comes natural, it comes easy to me. Um, in fact, it scares me to think about what I would do if the Holy Spirit weren't there to help me to do what I do week in and week out. Um, and so it's not something that comes real natural. And it's, it's something about preaching. It's something about coming up with a message, praying, hearing God, and, and developing it into what you feel like God's leading you to do for that day that, uh, that's, that's also challenging. Because so many times you can look on paper and, man, it looks good. It looks like something that, that, that God's going to use in a mighty way. And then you get up here and you, you speak, at, speak the message, you, you preach it, and it just feels like it went, right, and, and like nothing happens. And then sometimes you have a message that you look at and you're like, man, it makes you want to spike your Bible. It makes you want to just get excited about it. And you think it's going to be great. And you preach it, you walk off, you think, spike my Bible, that was good. And, and then, you know, you never know, though. What, what it's going to be like until you preach that message. And, uh, and, and the thing that I've seen that's pretty cool is that the times that I think it was the worst, the times that I feel like um, it was terrible, are usually the times that God does the most. And it's a reminder to me that it's not about me, it's, a, it's about Jesus, and, and it's all about Him and His power. And then the times that I feel like maybe it went the best, oftentimes um, it seems like little happens. And again, I think it's a reminder that. It's not about what we do, it's about what God does. And we should always be um, praying and asking and seeking God to work through his word. And I say all that to say this, that Jesus has come down the mountainside. If, if, if you were Jesus at this point, if he had a Bible, he probably would have wanted to spike it, right? Because he's coming down the mountain, he's, he's preached the best message in the history of the world, or, or the most well-known message in the history of the world. He's delivered this message to all these people. And the people are crowding around him. They're following him. They've bought into who Jesus is. They've seen miracles. They've seen him do this incredible teaching with authority like they've never seen before. And Jesus is coming down the mountainside with all of these people flocking to him. At this point, you would think, like in our culture, Jesus was like a rock star or something because all the people were following him. They thought that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and lead them into freedom and all this stuff, but Jesus is going to lead them into freedom. It just wasn't the freedom that they were thinking about. It was the freedom from their sin, which is so much greater than any other kind of thing that Jesus could have done for them. And so when we look at this, I want you to see how Jesus was coming down, preaching this message. He was a big deal. He he was, he was, it was like they would want to tote him off on their shoulders, right? If it was after a football game, this is, this is a big deal. He was a big deal. He was a, a rock star at this point in time. And so Jesus is coming down the mountain, and then a leper comes and kneels down at his feet. And here's what's so cool about this and what God really was speaking to my heart about this week as I was preparing this and praying through this, is it's cool to see that as as popular as Jesus got, as successful as Jesus was, as, as sought after as he was, he still took the time to heal the leper. He still took the time to... To, to, to heal and cleanse someone who needed his touch he never got so big he never got so so uh, popular that he came to a place where th- the individual was no longer important to him and the thing I want you to see about this is that we're called to be the same way that, that every single person that walks through the doors of this church every single person that we encounter during our week they matter they matter to God you look at Luke chapter 15, you see in there where he talks, they, they talk about, uh, Jesus talks about three lost things, a sheep, a coin, and a son. And it shows us how much Jesus wants to reach those things that are lost, those people who are lost, and bring them into this, his fold as he's the good shepherd. And so when we look at that, I want you to be able to realize that Jesus never outgrew his purpose of healing and delivering people out of their uncleanness, out of their sin. And this man would have been an outcast, this leper. Leprosy is a skin disease that oftentimes would dis, disfigure people. It ultimately led to death. It was like being alive, but you're, you're basically a walking dead person because you're just slowly dying. Um, your skin is, and, and, and it was a terrible disease for people to have. And people in that day, the Jewish people, would consider you cursed if you had this disease. This, this man would have had his hair. He couldn't do anything with his hair. It had have to be unkempt so that he he, wouldn't, he would appear as bad as he could possibly appear so that people would stay away from him. He had to wear torn clothes. This is all in the book of Leviticus. He would have to wear, wear his clothes that, that were, as they were torn. He would have to um, stay with, the closest he could get to the next person would be about 50 paces. So who knows how long it's been since this guy's had any interaction with anybody um, up close and personally. And so this man is in a bad situation. Leprosy was as much a social disease because it it kept you from other people as it was a physical disease. And to the Jews, it was a spiritual disease. It kept him from being able to worship in the temple and all of these things that he would have done in his life. It kept him from being able to do those things. And so he was separated. And yet Jesus comes and is willing to heal this man as he kneels down before him. And I want you to See how important that is. Because the thing I want us to realize is that as successful as Jesus was, his ministry never took him away from his purpose, which was to heal and deliver people. And when we look at that today, the main thought I want you to be able to take away from this today is that we must be a church and a people that, like Jesus, accepts those who are lost and rejected. This man had been lost. He was rejected. He, he, didn't, he, he had no life anymore, and yet Jesus was willing to give him life. If we're going to be that kind of church, and I believe that's the kind of church Jesus is calling us to be, is a church that will accept the lost and the rejected, those that no one else wants. If we're going to be that church, there's some things that we cannot do. And I want to cover those real quick out of this text this morning. The very first thing that we cannot do is we cannot let the voices on the inside begin to drown out the voices on the outside. If you look at the scripture, it says that large crowds, in verse 1 of chapter 8, large crowds followed him. Large crowds were following him. And yet Jesus didn't let the crowds take him away from the one who was lost. And, and as as we've grown as a church, I've noticed this. But there becomes this this uh, very um, you have to be very intentional not to let the inside become louder than what's outside. Because when we had twelve people that were showing up at my house and then showing up at the pond house where we met um, and we started the church, we had twelve people. We knew we had to reach people just for the church to be be around. We had to reach more people. And so we always thought out. We always thought about the next person that we needed to reach. Who could we bring? Who could we invite? Who could we share the gospel with? We thought that way. But as the church grows and it gets bigger, what begins to happen is sometimes the voices on the inside begin to be louder than the voices on the outside. It's why so many churches have turned inward, worry so much about keeping people happy and and, and giving them their entitled um, things that they, they feel like they need or that they feel like they're they're uh, privileged to, and we forget about the people who are outside who haven't come to Christ yet, who don't know Jesus. And we become this holy huddle that just looks in, but never breaks the huddle to, to, play, to run the play that we've been given. And we can't be that kind of church. We've got to be a church that is looking and listening to the ones who are outside of the church, who hear the cry of the one who, who is far from God, who hears the cry of the hurting, who hears the cry of those who are broken. Who hears the cry of those who are tangled in sin, who want out, who want to be set free. We've got to listen to them and hear that, those cries. We can't let the entitlement of the crowd on the inside become greater than the people and their needs on the outside. Or we've quit being what God created us to be. I believe with all my heart he wants us to look to those who are lost, look to those who are broken, look to those who are in need and continue to go after them. I believe Jesus gave us a two-fold ministry. We are to care for the people inside the church, to love them, to care for them, to help them, to walk through life together. But we can't ever forget that there are those outside who haven't come to know Christ yet. And we've got to be the people who carry the gospel to, to this community and to the world. We've got to remember that we've got the greatest news that there's ever been. And listen to me, the gospel still works. The gospel is still powerful. The gospel still changes lives. We've got to be a church that's confident in that, that believes that if we share the gospel, people are going to get saved. If we share the gospel, people are going to be be transformed. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be being made whole by Jesus because the gospel that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have life took our sin, took our punishment, took our condemnation. It is the reality of what God's done for us, and it is still powerful to work in people's hearts and in people's lives today. As we... As we still powerful to work in people's hearts today is we're willing to share the gospel with them. It's still powerful. People ask me sometimes, like, why did Connection Church grow the way it did? The only thing I know to say is this, that, that we try to be true to preaching the gospel, that every week somebody's gonna stand up here and preach the gospel. Somebody's gonna tell you about Jesus, unapologetically tell you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the only way to come to the Father. And that we, we, we're never too far out of his reach. And so we've got to be a place that believes that, that's confident in that, and that proclaims that to the world around us. I believe that this community needs to be transformed by, by the churches going into the community and proclaiming the gospel. I believe that campus needs to be transformed by the good news of the gospel. Not, not somebody standing up and just beating people over the head with it, but loving people into a relationship with Jesus. Is what people need. That's what they need to hear, is that as far away from God as I've run, as far away from God as I've tried to get, I could never outrun God. God's arm is never too short to save. His arm is never too short to reach down and pull me out of the mire and the muck and the sin in my life. He's able to save me. He's able to cleanse me. It's like he did for this leper. And so we see that the voices on the outside, we've got to listen to those and not let them be drowned out by the voices on the inside. The second thing I would tell you is we can't let success keep us from reaching the humble. We can't let success keep, keep us from reaching the humble. In 728, it says that the crowds were amazed. They were amazed. Jesus was successful. Jesus had done good things. Listen, we've seen God do awesome things in the last nine years, almost nine years, Be nine years in November. He's, he's done incredible stuff, but we can't ever lose sight of why that's happened. It's happened not because we're great, but because God is great. And we can't come become so successful in our own eyes that we think we've got this figured out. All it takes for us to, is to take our eyes off of Jesus to see the, the work of God quit. To see what God wants to do stop. If we begin to lean on our own power rather than the power of God, then we can see this begin to fail. Because it's, it's upheld by Christ. Christ. It's upheld by the power of the Spirit, not by any one person. See, this thing's not about Brandon. It's not about connection church. It's about the kingdom of God. It's all about Jesus. Why we got it on the wall out there. It's not about any one person or any band or any one church. It's about the kingdom of God and the kingdom work that he's called us to do to reach the humble, the lowly, the one that nobody else wants, the rejected, those who who we, we would typically in our own understanding think are too far gone. That's the ones that God wants us to reach. We can't come to a place that we think that somehow it's due to what we've done. It's all because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done in us, I believe this. As long, I believe this with all my heart. As long as we don't touch the glory, God will continue to do the things that He's been doing. We'll continue to see the miracle of salvation. We'll continue to see people baptized, professing their faith um, to, to, to the to publicly professing their faith. We'll continue to see people's hearts being transformed, marriages transformed, lives being transformed. I believe that with all my heart. But we can't touch the glory. God's got to get the glory. God's the one who deserves the glory. I talked with a man when we were first planning the church, and he was in his 70s. He was a pastor who had been pastoring the same church for over 30 years, and he, he, he was willing to meet with me. So I went and met with him, and uh, I showed him kind of what God had put in my heart about the church that I felt like we were supposed to start. And I laid it all out there for him and, and told him all about it, and, and probably, you know, 30, 45 minutes later, I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I think this. He said, I think if you don't touch the three Gs, then you'll be okay. He said, don't touch the gold, don't touch the girls, and don't touch the glory, and you'll be fine. And I thought that was pretty wise advice, right? Stay away from the gold, the girls, and the glory. And I believe with all my heart that if we stay away from the glory, and we're not in it for our glory, that God's gonna do something and continue to do something that's greater than what we could ever think or imagine. Believe that with all my heart. I don't believe that God is finished. I don't believe that God's done. I don't believe God's through saving people. I believe that God is going to continue to work. He's going to continue to work through people that point others to him, not to themselves. When we first started the church, one of the things that bothered me so bad, I mean, this used to keep me up at night as we were first starting the church, was that a prophet was without honor in his hometown, because this is my hometown. I, I pretty much grew up here all my life um, from the time I was about nine, ten years old. I've, I've lived here um, for the most part. And so I, I had this feeling like, well, how is it going to work with me going and preaching in a town that they know how sinful I am? They've seen me do sinful things. They've seen me drunk. They've seen me drunk and singing karaoke. How are they going <laughs> to ever want to even listen to what I've got to say? And, and, and I wrestled with it, and it kept me up at night. And one night I'm laying there in the bed, and, and I've got all the lights out, so I'm just staring into the darkness. And, and I was like, God, you got to help me with this. If you want me to do this, you got to help me with this. Because right now, I don't see how it's going to work because a prophet's without honor in his own town. And, John, and God put in my mind, this is no joke, you can think I'm lying, but this is no joke. God put John 444 in my mind. I saw it in my mind. And so I got up and I went to my Bible and I was like, well, maybe this is the answer. And I turned to John 444. If you read that scripture, it, it blew me away, it floored me, I just about hit the floor when I read it, because it says that even Jesus knew then, or he left that place because Jesus knew that a prophet's without honor in his hometown. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I like I am doing the wrong thing, this isn't going to work. And, and so I was like, God, what am I supposed to do Do to stop what we were doing? And God spoke to my heart as clearly as I've ever heard him speak, and he said, if you're in it for the honor, then you're in the wrong place. But if you'll let me have the honor, then it'll be fine and things will go well. And and so it's all about the honor being his. It's all about the glory being his. It's all about Jesus. It's all about leading people to him. But we can't let success, we can't let what what people would perceive as success keep us from reaching the lowly, the humble, the broken. That's who God's called us to reach. The third one is this, that we have to be a people, or we cannot be a people, that the lost and rejected feel they can't approach the Bible says that a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And see, lepers were, were considered cursed, as I told you earlier. They, they were people who, if they touched someone else, they made them unclean. And yet this leper thought, I can go to Jesus. If I can get to him, this miracle-working healer, this, this, this Savior that's come to us, he can heal me. And he felt like he could go to Jesus. That's a huge thing today. Do people who are far from God feel like they can come to us? Do people who are far from God feel like, I can go there, I can go into that, that, that church and that gathering of people, or I can go to this individual and, and I can share my story, I can tell them my struggles, I can be open and honest. I don't have to put up a front, I don't have to, to put up this, this facade that everything's good or that I'm okay or that I don't have sin in my life. I can be who I am, I can be honest and transparent with them. Do people feel like that about us? As a church, they feel like that about you as a person, that they can come to you and that they can receive encouragement, love, that they can encounter the grace and the truth of God by coming to you, by coming to us. Is that who we are? Because we have to be a place where the lost and the rejected feel that they can approach us, that they can walk through those doors. that anybody can come in this place and hear the gospel and that they're gonna be loved and not judged. I and mean, it's such an important thing for us to realize that there are a lot of people out there because of the stigma of churches will not come in here because of what they think other people are going to say or think about them. And here's the thing. I know people get uptight about that because they're like, well, they, they, they need to change if they come into the church. And I believe they do need to change. They need to be transformed. But the way they're going to be transformed is when they hear the gospel and Jesus gets a hold of their heart. We're not going to just look down our nose at them and point our fingers at them and think that they're just going to modify their behavior and become something different. It takes something to to work in their heart. It takes someone to work in their heart. It takes the Holy Spirit to transform their heart so that they can be transformed. And that's what God calls us to be is a place where the lost the rejected can come here, send us the ones no one else wants, because I believe enough in the power of God that he will transform their hearts once Jesus gets a hold of them. The fourth one is this, that we cannot be a people that wavers because of what others think. The Bible says in there that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He reached out his hand and touched him. See, so this was unthinkable for Jesus to touch him. As I told you, there's no telling how long it has been since someone had touched this man. And he comes barreling up through the crowd and he kneels at Jesus' feet. and He says, if you're willing, you can heal me. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't just say, you're healed, you're cleansed, go. He reaches out and he touches the man. Because I believe this, it's not enough for Jesus just to give him the cleansing, the healing. He wants to know that he's also accepted. He wants him to know that he's also welcome into fellowship with Christ as he touches this man. And touching him, as I said, was unthinkable. But listen, so is the love of God for sinners. It's unthinkable that he would touch a leper as unclean as he was, contagious as he was, as threatening as he was. And yet when we look at what Jesus did, we see that that, that what he's done for us is just as unthinkable. The love he's given us, the sacrifice he's made for us is just as unthinkable. it's, It's unthinkable to think that God gives that kind of love and grace to sinful people, but he does. And that's how God works in our lives. That's how God works in our hearts but here's the thing I can tell you, as soon as God begins to work in people's hearts that are far from God, as soon as you begin to reach out to people and they begin to come in and their lives look different and they smell different and they think different and their behavior doesn't match your behavior... The religious people, the people that focus so much on rules without a relationship with Jesus, they're always going to get mad. They got mad at Jesus for doing this very thing. They're going to get mad at us. That's been the history of it, is that people get mad when we begin to let people come into this church to hear the gospel, and we begin to accept people, not accepting the sin, but accepting the person and loving the person. Then then, people get upset. They get angry. I've been called a heretic more than one time. So if you're new here, I don't know if you really want to come back been labeled as a heretic. But that's fine with me because I'm more interested in what Jesus has told me to do than I am in what other people think. When I first started out, I was so worried about what what other people thought. And I thought getting into ministry, everybody's going to love you because you just, you know, you're doing a good thing. And I thought it was going to be like that. But the reality of it is it's not. In fact, the people that have hurt me the most in the last eight and a half, nine years have been people who are call themselves Christians, not people who are outside the church, people who call themselves Christians. And for some reason, we like to attack each other. And when we look at this, though, guys, we've got to be so much more concerned with what God says than what other people think. I don't care what other people think as long as we're being pleasing to God. As long as we're doing what God tells us to do. Listen, I'll take those shots all day long. I can take those shots all day long with Jesus with me. I can take those shots all day long as long as God's working. I'd rather take the shots and I'd rather take the hits. I'd rather take the burden. I'd rather take the pain than I would to see God quit working in people's lives. So we got to be people who worry about what God says way more than we worry about what other people think. The fifth one, the last one that I want to cover with you today is we can't forget Jesus' power to heal and restore. We can't forget Jesus' power to heal and restore. It says that when Jesus touched this leper, that he was immediately made clean. He, it says that he, immediately, immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy, So he was made clean. See, we're never so unclean that Jesus can't clean us that he can't cleanse us, that he can't wash our soul. We're never so far gone that his arm can't reach to save us and pull us up out of our sin and out of our past and out of all the the junk of our lives. And that's what this leper finds out, that Jesus is able. I want you to know today that wherever you're at, Jesus is able. Jesus is able to save. Jesus is able to cleanse. Jesus is able to restore. Jesus is able to bring, bring you to wholeness. In Christ was well, listen. Leprosy was an incurable disease, yet Jesus did something that no one had ever done. He healed leprosy, and see, sin in our life is the same way. It has the same effects. It separated us from God. It separates us from other people. But Jesus, just as he was able to cleanse that man of his leprosy has been able to cleanse us if we have faith in him of our sin to begin to make us whole and to begin to make us like him. Jesus has done that. He has the power to do that. And I feel like so many times what we look at and what we wonder is, is like this man, he doesn't doubt Jesus' power and his ability to cleanse him. He doubts whether or not he's willing. And, and so we we oftentimes don't feel like that God's unable to cleanse us. We just wonder if he wants to. I talked to a young lady after the last service. She's so bound up, so caged up in in, in just a religious bondage. And, and her life was, she was wanting to be free so bad. She wanted to be be free to love God, but some things in her past had made her feel like she couldn't do that, that He he had somehow quit loving her. And the thing I want you to see is that God never gives up on us. God never forsakes us. He never leaves us in that way that we're unredeemable. God is able to redeem every single person that will call on his name. The question becomes, will you call on his name? The cool thing to see in this, too, is that Jesus, in a way, traded places with this leper. Because the leper was seen as unclean. Jesus touches him. And, and, the leper, and then Jesus, in the eyes of others, has become unclean. But the cool thing about it is Jesus touches him, he becomes clean. He's now able to be restored back to the community. He's able to be restored back into his social environment. And we see that Jesus wanted to make him whole. But what Jesus did was he took and he traded places with him because he, those other people could look at Jesus. And they might see him as ceremonially unclean. But when Jesus touches something that's unclean, he cleans what he touches. He transforms what he touches. And rather than him becoming unclean, he cleanses that which he touches. And today I'm telling you, if you're here and you need God to cleanse you, you need God to touch you, you need God to bring you more towards wholeness, God is here to meet with you. God is here to walk with you. God is here to transform you. God is here to take you in the circumstances you're in and transform your life. And and we've got to believe that. In the same way that Jesus Traded places with that leper. Jesus has traded places with us as well. He traded places with us on the cross. And he cleansed us of our sin by going to the cross. by, By taking our sin upon himself. Taking the wrath of God upon himself. Taking our curse upon himself. Taking our condemnation upon himself so that we wouldn't have to take it. Giving his life so that we could have life. Going in a tomb and three days later, God raising him from the dead showing that he's overcome sin hell and the grave all at one time and we have that promise of jesus we have this promise of god because god's jesus has traded places with us we now have the ability to come to god come boldly before his throne of grace, as the bible says so we can receive mercy in our time of need so we can come before him now because of what jesus has done reconciled back to our heavenly father the Bible goes on and it, tells, it says that Jesus tells the man this. He says, offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So he sends them to the priest. The priest had to pronounce him as clean. They were the ones who had to examine him and see if he's really been healed or not. And Jesus says, go, I want you to go and offer the gift commanded. And then I want you to let them see this so it'll be a testimony to them. But what was the testimony? The testimony was this, that one greater than leprosy was there. And the testimony to us in Jesus is this, that one greater than our sin is here. One that can set us free from our sin, free from the bondage that we've been held, on, held to and held onto. Jesus can set us free from those things. He desires to, he's willing. We see that he is willing to cleanse us, to set us free, to begin transforming us, to transform our heart, to transform our mind, to transform our life. And bring us towards wholeness. See, it wasn't enough for Jesus to heal him physically. He wanted to show himself to the priest so that he could be healed socially. So he would be completely restored. I believe that's what Jesus wants in our lives. Because I believe he wants us to be whole. He doesn't want us to be, to be broken from, from sin. He wants us to be healed from it. Our sins should break our hearts because it breaks God's. But Jesus is the one who comes to put the pieces together. He comes to make us whole, to take the sin away. So that we can live for God and all it takes is for us to turn from our own way and turn to God's way turn to God, see what you turn from, who you turn to is as much as, or is as important as who you turn and what you turn from, we're turning to Jesus, turning to God and he's faithful to do what he's promised to do, giving us life and cleansing us I want to close with this and we'll, we'll be done when I look at The cleansing of this leper, when I look at all the miracles that Jesus did in the Bible, when I think about those things and then when I think about Jesus' resurrection and what he did on the cross, see, it brings us to this place where we have to ask a question. And I want to challenge you with this question this morning. The question is this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is this man that heals lepers? Who is this man that performed miracles? Who is this man that was raised from the dead? Who is this man? Who is he? Because the truth of it is, guys, that Jesus is either a lunatic or he's Lord. He's either crazy or he's God. Because anybody that claims to be God, if they aren't God, they're crazy. Like if somebody walks up to you on the street and goes, hi, I'm God, you think, they're a wacko. Right? And the thing that we need to see about Jesus is that he's either Lord or lunatic. He's either God or crazy. Which one is he today? Which one is he today for you? Because see, Jesus is not going to be content being a historical figure in your life. Not just some historical figure, like looking at this book, the Bible, looking at it as just a book of history. There are people in here right now that if I stood up here and said, this is a book of history. It's not living, it's not active, it doesn't do anything in your life. You'd want to come punch me in the nose. And, and you're right. But listen, if we don't think it's a history book, why do we live like it's one? God's still working today. God's still alive today. He's still transforming lives and hearts today. That ought to give us courage and boldness to carry this into the world, to carry this to other people who don't have it. But we can't do it if he's just a historical figure. We certainly can't do it if we think he's just crazy. See, God's not going to be satisfied. Jesus is not going to be satisfied as some religious icon, as just a necklace or a sticker you put on your car. He's not going to be satisfied with that. That's not what he's after. He's not after being a part of your life. He's after being all of your life. He's after touching every aspect of your life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. See, he has to be the Lord of our life and the Savior of our soul. And listen, listen, In light of what Jesus has done for us, anything less is unacceptable. When you think about what God has done, what Jesus did, how can we give him anything less than all of us? That's what he calls for. And this is what I know when we give Jesus all of us, when we begin to die to ourselves and we begin to give our life to Christ... What begins to happen is our hearts are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And when that begins to happen, then we begin to become different people. We're already made new. We begin to grow into somebody that's new. And when our hearts are transformed, then we'll be a place, a church, a people that accepts the loss and rejected and has the heart of God. But until Jesus is Lord and Savior of our hearts, Lord and Savior of our lives, We can play church all we want to, but listen, nothing of eternal value happens unless the Holy Spirit does it. And I'm telling you today that that power is still very real. I know it's real because he changed my heart. I know it's real because he's changed my life. I know it's real because I've seen him change many of your lives as well. And so today I'm going to close with this. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Is he a historical figure? Is he a superstition? Is he a taskmaster? Just checking off boxes of do's and don'ts? Or is he the living God that walks with you, that talks with you, that's there for you, that wants a relationship with you? Who is he? Who is he? My prayer is that if you don't know him, my prayer is that you would come to know him and that you would even come to know Him today. I pray that for some of you today would be the day of salvation, that you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, that you say yes to a reconciled relationship with God the Father, that you say yes to a relationship with the Holy Spirit who wants to live in you, work in you and transform you. If you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Christ, maybe you've been in church but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, they want to give you that chance to respond to his invitation. Listen, if he's knocking on the door of your heart, open the door. Say yes to him and by faith, receive him, receive forgiveness, receive the spirit, receive life. We celebrate that here because we believe that when people come to faith in Christ, they go from death to life, spiritual death to life. If you're here today and you would say this, that I'm in a place where I don't feel very alive, and I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Christ, but I want one. If you're here today and that's your heart, that's what you want. I want a relationship with Jesus. I feel like he's spoken to my heart this morning. You've never had that before. All I want you to do is I want you to be very bold. I want you to be very brave. I want you to stick your hand in the air and say, that's me, because we want to celebrate with you. pray with you if that's okay is that cool all right it it won't be it won't be weird i promise (laughs) you hear sheep back there or something it's okay we usually do the sacrifices before everybody gets here so who else you're here today and you say that's me i need a relationship with christ i need a relationship with jesus i need a relationship with god pray with you sweetheart Miss Vivian would love to take you and pray with you and let us help you take your next steps of faith she'll take good care of you anybody else today listen guys this is why we do what we do to bring people who are far from God close to God and only the spirit of God can do that anybody else today you say I need Christ in my life and I just don't have that alright then this is what I would challenge the rest of you with Maybe in your life you recognize, and I think we can all recognize areas that God needs to cleanse, that God needs to restore, that God needs to transform. I'm gonna invite you in just a second, when I pray for you to come down here to this altar, for you to spend some time with God, for you to lay whatever that is that's hindering you from running this race that Christ has called you to, whatever it is that's hindering you, I'm gonna let you lay it down right here So when you get up and walk out of here, it's no longer yours to carry, it's God's. Because you've given it to him. It may be too big for you to carry, but God can handle it. God can do it. God will do it. He'll walk with you in that situation, in that circumstance. I'm not telling you he's going to change every circumstance, but I'm telling you he'll change you in the circumstance. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to move. You come down here and spend some time with the Lord. You can stay as long as you'd like. The rest of us, when I say amen, you're free to go. And I hope you'll be back next week. We'll wrap this series up next week. So I want to pray. I want we stand to our feet. And when I pray, if you need to come down here and do some business with God, spend some time with him, you come on and spend that time. I want to pray you move. God, thank you so much for your heart for us, your will for us, your desire for us. Thank you, God, that you are willing to heal. You're willing to cleanse. You're willing to transform. God, let us be a church. Let us be a body. Let us be a people, God, that that others feel they can come to, that they feel like they can approach us. They feel like they can walk through these doors. They feel like, God, that they can come to you. Lord, let us be that place. God, I pray for each person who's at this altar. God, whatever they leave here today, I thank you that you take it from them. And God, when when Satan tries to get them to take it back, I thank you, God, that they can lay it back down again. And I pray that they walk out of here different than they walked in. God, thank you for the work you do in our hearts, for each person here, God. I pray that you would just grow our love for you and our desire for you. And we look at what you've really done for us through Christ. How could we not love you more and more and more? So God, I pray that that would be our testimony. Just as this leper had a testimony of cleansing, God, that we would share our testimony of cleansing and what Jesus has done in our life. We love you and we thank you for loving us, for grace and mercy, for truth that sets us free. Father, we praise you and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, listen, bless you guys. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week. You can stay and pray here as long as you'd like.